Welcome to the Pink Floyd Light Show. Um, I'm very delighted to be here. This is my first uh, gig in America. Uh, it's been quite a year for us. Uh, we are celebrating our 10th anniversary. So I've been invited to London, Sydney, and now Chicago. And uh, it's quite a, a thrill. Uh, I'm French. Sorry about that. And there's no way I can... I had nothing to do with it, really. And... Um, I'm 48, and I'm, I have the honor of uh, ruling this very small shop of sounds called rtradio.com. And um, to explain to you about the origins of this project, which is kind of a, it's a one-of-a-kind project, really. Uh, RT is a um, European cultural channel. It's a TV channel. It's been founded 20 years ago by both the French and the Germans in a way to reconcile these people. All right, so it's uh, European, it's public funded, okay, and it's kind of an elite TV station. It broadcasts mostly features, things like The War, for example, by um, Ken, Ken Byrne, I think is his name, The Civil War, The War, the, the American stuff. Also, it broadcasts uh, Breaking Bad, for example, and mostly features dramas, so, and, but the same programs uh, are broadcasted in France and in Germany. Okay, so that's a TV station, Arte. And uh, 10 year, 11 years ago, the president of Arte wanted to have a radio. Okay, it just struck him like that. We never knew. And because um, Arte was uh, developing quite a strategy, an online strategy, because as it is a cultural and let's say a very elite intellectual television, it doesn't have a lot of audience. Its audience is 1.5. Okay, and uh, so they were trying to reach for a younger generation by using the web, uh, which is a very interesting strategy, which never works, actually. So he wanted to do a radio, and he hired a guy to uh, think about that. And the guy said, with so little money, because they would not give a little money to this project, or well, you can only have a web radio. And also, on the web, you can only have an on-demand radio, okay? And then they, they took me in. I've been working in radio before, in a cultural radio in France named France Culture, when I was doing shows about um, music, you know, uh, Joy Division, Public Enemy, whatever, and philosophy and theater, this kind of stuff. And then I've been working in Arte for 10 years in... Uh, uh, communication, but I was kind of the guy who knew a bit about radio, so they, they offered me the job. And they hired a, a young sound engineer who was 22 at the time, named Christophe Rowe. He was just out of uh, film school. He was 22 years old, and he loved radio and sound. And this is very important because the whole concept, we got it together. So we started in 2002, we were two. And now, 10 years later, we are free. So we are, we are this huge, global, massive corporation. Okay, so think, think of us as a little shop, uh, but we, quite, we have a lot of independence, right? So inside Arte, which is a very big company with like uh, 300, 400 people working and over 200 million euros of uh, yearly budget, there is arteradio.com, we have a radio studio, we have equipment, and we have 200,000 euros a year to spend. But I asked for a wild card at the beginning, and they gave me the wild card. So for 10 years now, we have been completely free to do what I want. And what I want is sound. So 
Oh, no, that's not it. I'm, I'm very bad with technique. Okay. So it hasn't changed a lot. In, I mean, the website is changing, of course, every two years, and it's, of course, always bad, as every website is. But basically, um, what Arte Radio is, it's both a sound library and a magazine. It's a weekly magazine. Every week, there are new topics on the front page, you know. Uh, for example, this week, the first one is called, uh, it's a cherry pie recipe but it's a modern cherry pie recipe in which you've been, so it's four minutes long, and you have the recipe to make a cherry pie, but also it gives you every chemical ingredients that actually go to uh, flour, eggs, and uh, cherry in our time. So it's kind of an industrial cherry pie recipe. And so, so it works as a magazine, like something happens, and we say to ourselves, what can we do about that with our tools? And our tools are voices, sounds, recording, editing, and mixing. So, um, for example, yeah, in, um, in 2006, the French government, as many governments, passed a law to ban uh, smoking in public places. All right, so we learned about it on Monday, and on the Tuesday we are sitting in our studio, Christophe and me and a couple of friends who are hanging around, and we say we have to do something about that, and this is what we do, it's called uh, fumée clandestine, we could call that no smoking, and it's one minute, 16 seconds. So this is it, and, and then we are paid. Um, okay. Um, or another example. I saw that the emblem of Third Coast is a pigeon. So I remember we did something with a pigeon. Just, I'll just play the beginning. You know, it was called the bird flu, I guess. And there was this massive fear about the bird flu, and so the French government again uh, put a, a, a phone line. A helpline by telephone to help people and to get information about the bird flu. And we thought, yeah, what if a pigeon would call up this line to, to find out, you know? So that's it. Yeah. Sorry, it's my website. I don't know how it works. So, okay. Oh, 
That's it. Christoph is doing the pigeon. He was very good at doing pigeons. This is an actual phone call, of course. Ministère de la Santé et des Solidarités, bonjour. Bienvenue sur Infogrip Bavière. Cette communication vous sera facturée 15 centimes d'euros la minute. Veuillez ne pas quitter. Un conseiller va prendre votre appel dans quelques instants. C'est les informations sur Agrippa Bavière. Bonjour, Anne-Claire, à votre écoute. Mais rassurez-vous, il y a des contrôles vétérinaires qui vont être mis en place et des pigeons vont être contrôlés autant que les oiseaux. Dans, dans le ciel, vous savez, on ne peut pas surveiller ce qui se passe. Mais il y a des contrôles vétérinaires qui vont être faits. On ne pourrait pas voir qu'un pigeon est malade plus qu'un autre oiseau, monsieur. C'est vrai, c'est très difficile à voir qu'il a la grippe aviaire. Mais vous savez, le virus est tellement virulent au niveau des oiseaux qu'au bout de deux, deux jours, il meurt. So she just told him that the pigeons would die after two days. So that was a massive blow to the pigeon. Um, actually, it's really easy to do this thing. We found out that telephone calls, you know, work a lot of time. We've got this piece that was really successful. Because there was a scandal in France that, you know, sometimes rich people do put their money away like Mitch Romney would do that, for example. And we just found up this company that helps you to uh, put your money offshore so that you pay no tax on it. And we just phoned them up, and they would just tell you everything on the phone. So we recorded it, of course, and it, it made a bit of a scandal. So um, the thing is, uh, it's a, is it a radio or not a radio? I don't know. It's a website with uh, 1,632 pieces on it, because we keep everything online. Everything we did for 10 years remains online so that it builds a culture and references for the newcomers and the young people who discover us now. And, um, and we add uh, two or three new pieces every week. So we do about uh, 20 minutes to one hour of program every week, which is cool. But remember, there's only three of us. And we, the thing is, there's no information. No music, no culture, no cultural uh, advices, no criticism, no experts, okay? It's only sounds and voices. And when there is music, it's original music. And that is why, first, we were afraid of the rights things. And secondly, we didn't want to use records because, you know, we were paid to do this. So we wanted it to be a creative radio only and a creative radio online. And for me, and but I come from a, a European and French background, it might be different here, I don't know, but creative radio is something that is based on, again, sound and voices, recording and editing, and that's about it. Also, about experts, I was kind of tired of people telling us what to think, you know, even on the public radio in France, it's always the same, like something happens or there's an election or whatever, and. Uh, and you have a round of experts, and they're always the same white males, you know, telling you what to think or whatever. And I kind of have the feeling that if you, uh, 
if you have a microphone and you speak with people and they can speak for themselves. But for example, if you ask people, do you pay too much tax? Uh, of course, they will say, yeah, I pay too much tax, because it's a silly question. If you ask them, do you want hospital and firemen and roads, and of course, they're happy to pay taxes. So it all depends on the questions, really. And I felt that it's important to, uh, if people speak about their everyday life, like how much money do you uh, make, how, much, how many hours do you work, where do you come from, what was it like where you were growing up, whatever. Uh, these are the kind of things that helps to, to build a character and a story, and you don't need the intervention of a sociology teacher or a rabbi or whoever to tell you anything. So we choose to be very populist in this way and just to let people think for themselves, but to care for the way we record and edit them as if to, gi to give this a meaning. So it's not free speech. It's not free radio. Uh, everything is done by authors who are paid for their work. We have been working with 300 authors in 10 years, and everyone is paid according to the number of days of work not the final result. Because the cool thing with the internet is that we have no format, we have no schedule. It's only on demand, so you only listen to it, you listen to what you want, when you want, where you want it, and we do the same. So for example, there is this big thing in France, as in many countries, about illegal immigration. Right? So you have many debates about illegal immigration. Are there too many illegal immigrants, not too many, whatever? And uh, the thing is, when you walk on the streets of Paris, you can just uh, hear it. And there was this girl, uh, Marine Vlaovic, she was a history student at the time. This is her first piece. Actually, she did this, um, she did a piece on her own, and it was everything I hated. She began with two minutes of speech telling you everything about the character, and she put music in it and everything, and the sound was really bad, and we said, okay, this is, just start over from scratch. And um, the result, I'll just play the beginning of it. It's, um, there are people in, uh, in Paris in a tube, uh, metro station called Barbès, Barbès Rochechouart. It's a very poor district in the north of Paris. And when you go down at this train station, all you hear is people trying to sell you cigarettes, okay? These are, um, I don't know how to say, contraband cigarettes. It's not legal that they sell you those big boxes of cigarettes. I'm not obsessed with cigarettes, so I smoke too much, but just, you know, and this is something you can hear. It's a sound, actually. And uh, so just we'll listen to a few minutes of it. It's called Malbaré, which is a, a pun in French, and uh, meet Isham. La moins chère, vas-y, profitez la chance. Malboro, 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 Malboro. Bah, Barbès, c'est le quartier mythique, c'est le quartier maghrébin. C'est là où il y a une concentration d'Algériens. Bon, on trouve tout. On trouve les gens du bled, tout, qu'est-ce qu'il y a le business, il y a tout là-bas. Il y a des montres, il y a des téléphones portables, il y a des cigarettes. <rire> Tu veux manger un plat du blé, tu pars là-bas, tu manges ça. Voilà, c'est ça, c'est barbès, c'est assaisonné. Maintenant, il y a un plat qui a été un plat qui a été gratuit. Vas-y, il n'y a pas d'argent. 
Je m'appelle Hicham, plus reconnaissable sur le pseudonyme de Hitch, parce que tout le monde m'appelle comme ça, mes potes et trucs comme ça. Et j'ai 28 piges. Je vendais des clubs à Barbès euh, occasionnellement. Je vendais ça euh, très régulièrement, mais maintenant euh, je taffe. Donc euh, quand j'ai du temps libre, un peu comme ça, je pars euh, vendre des cigarettes. Ouais, je viens du bled. Je viens du bled, je suis un, je suis un Algérien, je viens du bled. Quand tu pars en France et plus particulièrement à Paris, si t'as pas de famille ou un truc comme ça, un peu dans l'île de France ou en Bourgogne, un truc comme ça, t'arrives à Barbès, bon, comme ça, t'as pas de famille, t'arrives, t'es obligé de passer par la case Barbès. Je suis arrivé euh, en 95, j'étais tout jeune, j'avais 15 ans. Premièrement, c'était pour voir un peu l'Europe, parce que quand on est au bled, tu vois, il y a des gens qui, qui habitent en France, en Europe. So I just suppose um, this is not mu the little bit of music is not from a record. It's actually played by a great oud singer, an Algerian guy named Allah. Uh, the only thing, this is kind of a regular arte radio stuff because we work a lot with beginners. They've never seen a recorder before. They've never seen a microphone, but they are interested in the way we tell stories. So they send me a project and I say yes or no. And in this case, this is really the kind of, if we have a format, it's the arte radio format. So we give them two microphones, a mono mic for the interview and a stereo microphone for the uh, soundscape and the people in general. And what you have it, as you can listen, if you listen to it, you'll see that Isham, the main character, is telling, is telling his story in his own voice. And this is always the case, because we never have a narrator or the journalist voice, and the questions will never be heard. So he, he starts by a sentence, and then he said, I am Isham, I'm 28 years old, I sell cigarettes. And you heard him selling cigarettes in Barbès, saying Marlboro, Marlboro. And this is an old thing that has been done before us by uh, this great uh, French radio producer named Yann Parentoen, is that the, the stereo is kind of the social life. It's, so the character in stereo is the way he presents himself to people, is him acting, interacting with other people and his environment. And the mono voice, which is done at a different time, in a different situation, is kind of his inner personality. And so we can play with those two things and very easily, as you go through the interview, when it starts by saying very intimate, personal stuff, we might cut off the stereo very brutally and then you All you hear is a naked voice in mono that goes right to you. And when, it's, when things are lighter or whatever, so with just two sounds, you can basically have different situations because you can have only stereo, only mono, the two of them mixed, whatever. And as he's speaking under an uh, elevated train in Barbès, there's always this train passing. And this will be the only sounds. We only use sounds that are on location. Okay, we don't use sound library. We're kind of fundamentalist in a way, okay? But uh, this is the way we do it. And the thing is that the sound tends to create, of course, images and to create another level to this story because Isham uh, will tell you of the many different ways he comes to France illegally to work. And one of his ways is that he was hiding in a, in a train, right? Above the toilet 
of a train. There was a space that he opened with his friends, and there were three of them, and they spent 48 hours, you know, trapped over the toilet in a train just to go to Europe to find a better living. Now, as he says, as he tells us later in the interview, they were shitting themselves for 48 hours. Now, if you hear something like that, and of course, and then you hear the sound of an elevated train, obviously you think of other trains with other group of people traveling through Europe and shitting on themselves in history. So without saying anything, without interfering, we basically state something, because I don't know what to think about illegal immigration, and it's not my problem to have something to say about that. But the sound and the way it's recorded basically tells you this story and another story at the same time. So this is the way we do it. Now, what is more important, because you can like it or not, like what you do, like uh, what we do or not, what I think was really important for this project is, um, if you look at it, it's not a radio, but it is radio in the way it's done. What it is, it's a digital file. It has a title, it has a subtitle, an excerpt, and it has the name of an author, which for me was really important. So from the start, through every website, it has always been the same. There's always the name of the author. Then you have you know, a few things catchy that to sum up the story. Then you have the date of a recording, who did what, who mixed, who did the music. You have keywords, and this is, I think, the only genius, or not genius, but the only cool idea we had, because we had this idea 10 years ago in 2002 where nothing really happened much, even online. You can download it freely, it's under Creative Commons, so the offer is paid, but the sound is free for community radios. So for example, all French community radios, those who have no money, can broadcast freely what we do. So it raises the level of their production because they are generally um, volunteers. It's radio run by volunteers and they are not paid. You can insert it in a web page, so you can insert this sound in a podcast or wherever. You can comment and read the comments. You can share, of course, through Facebook, whatever. You can select and comment on it. And for me, and there is a direct address. Every time you paste this, you will end up to this sound. So, this has been online since 2008, and it's a niche, but since 2008, it's been listened to over and over, and then it creates a culture, it builds reference. There are now many radio festivals in France, and I can meet young people, and they have accessed this kind of radio through online, because this is where things happen now. So, Obviously, our idea was to, to, to do this kind of creative radio stuff, but to make it accessible for a broader audience. Because it's clear that if you are 20 years old, you are not going to listen to France Culture or to radio drama on the national public radio, because it's, this is what your parents listen to. But you will find it online and uh, exchange it. So for us, what was really interesting was to kind of build, um, to make it accessible and to build a culture, a memory of radio, because w what I found out, and I mean, I'm not, uh, it's very practical, because I didn't know that when we started 10 years ago. What I found out throughout the years is that podcast built something different than uh, straight FM radio, because it's not something that goes through one ear and goes away, you know. It's something that people have chosen to listen to, 
And when you're listening to a podcast, generally you're alone. You're alone and you have headphones on. Whether you are at work on your computer, because a lot of people listen to us at work, okay, because they arrive first in the morning or during the daybreak, they eat a salad and put their headphones on. Or in the tube, we are, um, I think podcast radio is an excellent thing for transportation, whether you take the train or the tube to go to work, it's okay to have features and dramas to listen to. But then you are alone and you are highly concentrated and you are not distracted because uh, you, know, you have to do something else and to leave the room for whatever reason. So this is why, for me, listening to radio now through these devices, and I might add, of course, smartphone is another device. Of course, we developed a, an app. There's an RT radio app for um, iPhones and we are uh, issuing the Android one in a few weeks. So. This is where people are now. They have never been in the history of the world. There have never been so many listening devices. Everybody has got earphones in their ears. So our motto was to bring these people radio creation instead of, you know, the last album by the Black Keys, which is a cool thing, but, you know, they can find it elsewhere. So as a public service, we had to, to develop this kind of a trend because it, it did not exist anymore, except in a small niche on public radio. So for me, this experience of listening very intensively through podcast is analog to the experience of reading. And it is as important and as fragile as reading, okay? When you're reading a book, you're basically building up images in your head because you don't know what uh, Huckleberry Finn looks like and you, you're just imagining him, you know, this is my favorite book, so I'm sorry, <laughs> going down the Mississippi and whatever. And but everyone has his own Huckleberry Finn in his mind. Those words of Mark Twain are, are the same, right? And radio is basically the same. We are writing with a lot of spaces. And uh, as in literature, the images are written between the words and between the lines. Uh, so in radio, we are writing with silence and space. And uh, for, I mean, the radio I, I uh, believe in. So it's... As I said, it's as important as reading because it leaves you with very powerful and strong images in your head. But at the same time, it takes time, dedication, and a lot of stuff. And we are, of course, there are you know, videos of cats falling down the stairs and so many excellent things that want to be looked at. So if we have the video of a cat falling down the stairs or a 50-minute documentary, audio documentary, the choice is difficult. So, as I say, it's as strong, as, as fragile, as, um, as reading, basically. So, um, the thing for me, what was important, is to give full credit to authors. Because on normal radio, there are not so many people that will catch the name of the author. You know, it goes very fast and, and you're not paying that much attention. So, for me, it was very important to, to, to do this as a, not an art form baby, but a, a creation, and that the offers will be paid at the end. Otherwise, it's festival art or conference art. It's just something, once a year, we gather in Europe for pre-Europa and whatever, and we listen to CDs, actually. We don't listen to radio. So everybody would tell me that I'm not making radio. You know, it's like when you watch a DVD, you're actually watching cinema. Even if you're not in a theater, you're watching the grammar of cinema. And when you're listening to art radio, you're listening to a radio grammar, I guess. So we started with very small pieces and then we expanded to uh, more 
stuff. So we we did um, we did fiction, which is very difficult, of course. And this is uh, one that was that put us on the map. We were approached by this very funny lady named Marianne Bello, and she suffered a terrible experience at work. She had a coworker who was a bit harassing her, you know, and it drove her into writing a full uh, drama. It's a one hour long, but in 12 episodes. So the episodes might be one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, which is excellent also with the internet, is that you don't have a schedule. So you don't have to format things. Because why do 52 minutes? I mean, it's absurd. There's nothing works like that anymore. So we, the episodes were uh, of different sizes. And this, um, there are only two actors. And uh, this brilliant guy named Christophe Bro is doing all the voices. She's doing uh, another actress is doing Marianne. And, uh, Delphine Theodore, and I'll just play a bit of it. It's called uh, Le Bocal. In English, it's called The Fish Tank. And uh, so it's about this woman at work. And in this, in this episode, she's saying what she's dreaming about when she's working. And the other character, her co-worker, is called The Squid. Bande savonneuse. Je regarde mes mains. Mes doigts tremblent quand je tape à la machine. Quand je travaille, je pense à... Je pense à... This looks like a job for Superman. Je pense à... Je pense à... C'est plus possible, c'est plus possible. Service collectivité, bonjour. Service collectivité, bonjour. Calamar fait de petites explosions de rage dans mon dos. Et son parfum pue la piste de chat. Mais cette fois, ce n'est pas de moi dont il parle. Je suis désolé. Mais si on n'a pas le droit de dire la vérité... Quel... Fous vraiment rien Et les grands sourires par Dégueulasse Et les grands sourires par derrière. On va dans le mur, moi je vous le dis Chaque fois qu'il fait un scandale, il y a toujours un spectateur au placé dans la hiérarchie... Blah pour assister à la dénonciation des fautes de celui, ou plutôt celle, glandeuse, qui l'empêche de bien travailler. Voilà néné. D'ailleurs, il a une idée pour que le service fonctionne mieux. Et si c'était moi, l'hyperchef De toute façon, il faut rien. Il devrait se faire virer. Non Une fois que les spectateurs sont partis, sa colère disparaît d'un coup, et le voilà en pleine forme. Il s'étire. Mais un... Vraiment, je ne supporte pas l'injustice. À suivre sur arteradio.com. Je vais m'en griller une petite. So, 
the thing is, of course, we spend a lot of time because there's only three of us. So we, we, for this piece of fish tank, it took us weeks ago. We recorded everything on location to get away from this kind of uh, silly radio drama sound that is so studio-like. And of course, it was dubbed in the studio for uh, quality reasons, but most of it is actually recorded on location. And then we, we spend weeks in editing and mixing. So at the end, of course, as you don't have the pressure of putting something on air uh, every day or every week. So we won uh, Prix Europa with this piece, and it was bought by the Germans. We did the German version, the Czech did the Czech version, and the Chinese actually studied it in the national uh, public uh, Chinese radio, which is like really bizarre. And, um, uh, but they just, uh, I got a mail from Chinese radio today and they're still wanting the more scripts and stuff. So it's funny because it's actually a piece about harassment in work and externalization and all the horrible things that happen in big corporations nowadays. But it shows that it happens in China as well because they were, they really loved it in China. So uh, this put us on the map and so we started getting you know, awards, and which is always cool. And then um, we had to um, do other things. Um, yeah, we, this worked also, the episodes were short, but then we found out that if the topic is relevant and pertinent about what's happening in society now, it can also people listen to, to longer stuff. And the thing, like, this is a recent piece called uh, Inshallah Mon Amour, that's Inshallah My Love. And it's about uh, five girls from Northern African origins, five French girls who talk about sexuality and the choice of her husband, and they're Muslim girls. And of course, it's quite a controversial topic, but Mehdi Haudig, who did it, is half Moroccan and he's a brilliant radio producer. So he keeps them in time. This is 25 minutes long, and it ended on a blog uh, online, the blog of GQ. You know GQ, the magazine? Okay, and they have this blog about sex, okay, and the lady who does this blog likes what we are doing, so she put, because we have this uh, thing that is, um, you can insert in a web page, so that inserts our player, okay, there's an external embedded player on the site of GQ, and of course, the people who read the blog of sex on GQ will never go and listen radio creation, but they listened to that. And there were actually more people, of course, on GQ than on rtradio.com. But when I looked at the commentaries on GQ, and it sounded like everybody has listened to it until the end. So you've got people who normally would never listen to this kind of stuff that were actually sitting in front of their computers for 25 minutes to listen to a program without any music, without narrator, and etc. So of course, I know that for you, maybe even no narrator thing might be controversial, but what I think is a narrator is very important for traditional radio because radio is about complicity. It's someone who takes you by the end and takes you on a journey and you have to relate to this voice because as I said, you might be doing something else. But I think for podcasts, what I like is that there's no filter. There's no intermediary person, you're just Back, you're in the middle of it immediately, and it's more about sharing an experience with the people, with the illegal immigrant, or with these five girls who talk about the difficulty of, you know, moving away from family and finding a husband or whatever. And 
you don't have you don't need someone to to take you by the end for it and the the person who takes you by the end is the author and the way he, he edits stuff um about sound you notice that we we spend time on it so it's 256 kilobits per second so it's kind of a cool sound quality because again as now people are listening a lot through headphones it's important to to develop a good sound quality in order to put them inside the topic otherwise they'll watch uh, bad videos um, okay um, this so it's a niche we have about 100 130,000 uh, people accessing the, the website every month but what i found out is that each one of them is listening to actually many stuff so of all the sites of all the websites inside arte we are actually the website uh, in which people do the most thing listen to the most pieces there is there are other websites like there's one called arte live web you can have access to free concerts you can watch pj Harvey or the tinder sticks very cool bands for free live and they got in the end less videos played than we have uh, sounds played on a website so and also our influence was very strong on the young community of radio producers in France because we also started to develop some training I mean and the people we trained who were beginners now work together for us and for France Culture the main radio station of France for radio creation so they start to make a living purely out of radio features or radio drama also we do a lot of training for medias which gives a back a little of money. We're not supposed to earn any money. We're just supposed to spend 200,000 euros a year. But we make about 10% of it through media training. Also, as I said, we give to the poor. So we give to the community radios and we sell to the rich. Oh, if there is, like the Swiss, for example, they like what we do. So I think the Swiss public radio is much richer than we are. So I sell them our pieces and they do a whole show around them. And then it's money that should go back to the offers, but it, it's not. It's, we keep it in order to have more money the next year. So this is what we do. Um, we're working also on the issue of rights and we are now ready to sign an agreement with the uh, rights collectors organization who are kind of people a bit like the mob, you know. So I've been dealing with them for 10 years now and we are finally reaching an agreement that will allow us to keep the Creative Commons stuff. So we'll have both things. The offers will get rights but we'll keep the Creative Commons, which is a cool thing. So. Uh, we kind of changed the paradigm because now we were, for example, there's this huge thing in Europe called Pre-Italia and we were not accepted. For 10 years I tried to get in and for 10 years they answered back, you're not a radio. So I called them Italian bureaucrats, which is what they are really, and they would not have us. And then this year, for the first year, we were allowed to be in the competition and we won best drama, best original drama. So there we go. So I suppose now we are a radio. But I'm under pressure inside Arte, of course, because they don't care about radio too much and they are a television channel. So they're kind of like, yeah, okay, that's good, but uh, what else can you do? So it happens that uh, a lot of people were interested in our stuff and at first it was never radio people it was photographers writers whatever and they are interested in the way we tell stories and they say we want to work with you so for example and i think that is kind of a clever thing this is on vimeo and uh, there was this um, uh, tv producer and they said okay we are going to do animation 
based on Arte Radio documentaries. So this documentary is uh, 18 minutes long. It's one of our favorite documentaries. It's everyone's favorite. Anyway, it's called Grand Amour. It's about this lady called Marguerite. She's 82 years old, and she's telling a story. When she was 20 years old, she met this guy, and they at a dance, and they kind of spend the night together, but she's very shy about it, so we don't know exactly what happened. It was a bit more than a kiss, but they spend the night together, and the day after, he had to leave for the war, because it was the 1940s in France. And then she was alone, and then later she got married, and she had children, and he will never see her again, and she will never see him again. Then her husband dies, and she is 82 years old, and this guy phones up and wants to meet her again. And at first she doesn't want to because she's been a widow for years and she's not interested. But then he invites her for tea and they kind of make out. And she's really, it's a beautiful piece the way she tells it. And they kind of make out. And later on, they, they sleep together, they have sex. And he turns out to be quite good, you know, because he's patient and he takes it slow. And then, <laughs> which is something we always all have to learn something from radio features. And then, so. She's like, you know, Robert, her deceased husband, he, he didn't take it that slow, and, but this guy is taking it slow. So in her own words, she's actually telling her niece, because her niece is doing the, the feature, she's recording all this, that she, she kind of discovers the pleasure, sexual pleasure, at 82. So there's hope. Okay. <laughs> um. I'm going to write. So this is uh, an editing of two minutes. Jeudi, il m'a emmené au restaurant à Brémont. Parce qu'hier, c'était son anniversaire, c'est 82 ans. <laughs> La petite poupée, là, en porcelaine, c'est lui aussi qui m'a fait ça. Voilà sa photo. Quand il avait 20 ans, <rire> c'était au moment de la guerre, il y a eu un, un bal, puis c'est là, bon ben, on a dansé, puis après on a sorti, puis c'est là que tout a commencé, quoi. <rire> Le lendemain du bal, il est allé ben, à la chapelle là, pour essayer de me voir, mais il ne m'a pas vu. Et le surlendemain de ça, il franchissait la ligne de démarcation pour s'engager un certain temps. Quand la guerre a été terminée, il a repensé à moi. Il m'a recherché. Mais moi, j'étais mariée entre-temps. J'avais rencontré Robert. Et c'est au décès de Robert, après, qu'il a dit, « Bon, ben, elle est libre maintenant. Pourquoi qu'on qu ne marcherait pas tous les deux ?» Il m'avait téléphoné que je vienne. Quoi. Puis j'avais accepté puis de venir déjeuner, tout ça. Quoi. Donc j'ai déjeuné, on s'est embrassé et tout ça. Mais il n'y a pas eu de, de couchage. J'aimerais bien que tu dormes avec moi, tu me disais. Alors j'ai dit, ben attends, je ne suis pas prête, moi j'ai dit, il me faut le temps. C'était pour me déshabiller. C'est là, j'ai dit, tu te rends compte, à notre âge, tout ça, mais il dit, il n'y a pas d'âge, et puis, et puis ça, ça va bien, tu vas voir, et puis, c'est vrai. Il a découvert ma poitrine parce que c'est vrai que j'ai des beaux seins pour mon âge. Alors ça, il n'en revenait pas. Alors, il y a des bonnes surprises. T'as les yeux qui brillent quand tu parles de lui. C'est vrai Ça se peut, oui. Bah, je l'aime, quoi. 
Si tu veux faire mon bonheur, Marguerite, Marguerite, si tu veux faire mon bonheur, Marguerite, donne-moi ton cœur. So, the weird thing, so they asked us, so they took an uh, 18 minutes piece documentary, 18 minutes long feature, and they reduced it to two minutes and added the animations by Julien David. And there was a competition for uh, uh, short movies for phones, and it won first prize. And it was also broadcasted on Arte. This was for Arte. The guy did 12 of us short based on our stuff. And Uh, when I was in London at IFC, I met this wonderful uh, guy from Story Corps, you know, the American Story Corps, and, and they also did animations based on their stories, some animation, and it, it works very well. So, there is a thing, it's a path, it's something, a thing, because it doesn't kill what we do, it's really sound-based and radio-based, the sound comes first, but the animation, and especially I think this kind of animation, which is a bit subtle and black and white, and it leaves room for the imagination, so it's not killing what we do, it's not video, it's not pornographic, you know what I mean? It, it leaves room for the imagination, so I think animation is really something that we can uh, look into. There are another project which has also originated in Arte Radio and then it's been adapted in animation for Facebook and now it's on television, it's called I Dreamed About the President. And because we had this short feature about women who were dreaming of Sarkozy or last president, you know, because he was everywhere, so he was also in her dreams, you know, because the guy was just, <laughs> whatever. Um, and then, So they had this really good idea because it's kind of interactive stuff. There's a page on Facebook and you can phone up and tell a dream. And uh, they just, or they phone you back and they record your story and they edit it to one minute and they animate your dream. If you dream about the president, whatever president. And then I met this American guy in, in London that told me that there was the same thing in America with I dreamed of Ben Laden because everybody was dreaming of Ben Laden at one point, I guess. So I mean, These are kind of very cool projects that can work. Also, um, there, are, there is another project, but we, we never succeeded on downloading it. So I'll just show you one last thing, which I think is great. And I, I had nothing to do with it. It's an Arte production. It's a web of Arte, which is another, uh, it's near my office, but it's not me. And they had this thing, uh, there was, a slum in the 60s in France, in Nanterre, you know, a slum for North, uh, North Africans, okay, immigrant workers. And they were living in these slums, and there was a lady that you can see, she's drawn here, who was doing what we do. She was recording stuff, okay? And this is a project that Arte has developed. It's called uh, Nanterre Bidonville, and I think it's quite cool for radio. You tell me what you think, it works like this. Uh, there's no sound, sorry. There should be. It worked when we tested it. Oh, scheiße. Ah, I'm really sorry. It worked just, you know, an hour ago we were testing it. Well, so it's a fresco, you know. It's drawn, and every time you have a number, there is a bit of sound, okay? 
And it's actually audio archives from the 60s, but you could do that with a radio program as well. Oh, it's me. Sorry. I'm sorry. That's me. That's my fault. So these are audio archives. It's not a radio work. It's just audio archive. But you have the fresco that is moving, and you can choose to click or not. As you see there, there is a timeline, and there are many, many sounds to listen to. So if you want. Alors j'ai à compter alors ma cinq bidons de valets. Ça fait cinq litres par jour. Alors quelqu'un qui travaille loin, qui sort à 6 heures dans son travail, il rentre à 8 heures le soir, il faut qu'il charge de l'eau, il faut qu'il fasse le manger pour ses gosses. Alors il couche pas avant 11 heures. Okay, so you can travel. Okay, and also what is very interesting, I guess, if if there is something that is like a bit long, you can just vous, vous tenez parce que you can stop the fresco, que, but the sound still is to be heard. Or you, and you can start again, right? And I found this device so interesting that I'm actually producing four of those with totally different topics. But I'm actually co-producing with Arteweb four things like that, in which we send three radio offers in a city, and one guy who is a cartoon artist, a graphic artist, okay? People who do like uh, graphic novels, stuff like that. And he, he will do the drawings, and the people from Arte Radio will record sounds and interviews, and we will put all of this together on this kind of fresco. And this is just one example. You can do it in many different ways. It could go up and down or whatever. But I think uh, it worked quite well online, this device. I'm just showing it to you not to say this is what we should do. You understand my point. Is I think these are the kind of ways for us. Because at the end of the day, what is really important is that we are not being used as sound technicians on a movie or on a TV station, right? We are radio people. Radio means ethics, aesthetics, and politics. And these three words are synonymous. They all mean the same thing. There are ways to record a voice. There are ways to edit someone that is typically radio, and that is not television or video. And this is what we should do. So with this kind of devices, we can really express ourselves as uh, through our craft, through our radio craft, and at the same time gain something more attractive to a broader audience because there are images, so you know what I mean? And, uh, and you can do that with speeches as well, but um, I, we have no time for it, but I'll, I'll, I have um, uh, sheets of papers with all the references on it, so you can take them at the end. And there's uh, also a documentary which we co-produced, which also won Prix Europa last year. It's one photographer and one radio guy. Samuel Bolendorf is taking the pictures, Mehdi Auding is doing the radio stuff. And it's just still images with sound on them, but it's not a simple diaporama. It can play on different levels. The important thing is that the pictures are telling a story and the sound is telling a different story. And then everybody wins and nobody is submissive to another form of art, if, if you get what I mean. So I think this is what is really important. This is what um, Radio 2.0 could do. We have to 
work on new formats. We have to, uh, you know, because I think format and schedules, even for television, are dead because there's no way. I mean, we're not going to wait for our show. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I just asked my intern, the last intern I had, to download me the two seasons of Game of Thrones. And I just watched Game of Thrones, and this is what everybody's doing nowadays. I mean, there's no way I'm going to wait for it to play on French television in French. Yeah. Huh. So <laughs> I just got the whole thing, and, and, uh, and it's a digital file, really. So I know it's bad for copyrights and etc. but I think they're doing well as it is. So. I don't know, and it's this, so it's on telephone, it's on apps, it's on tablets, it's everywhere. This is where also we should be. I'm not saying that, you know, traditional radio is something fantastic that will always remain. It's not one versus the other, okay? But when we are speaking about creative radio and creative sound, I think for us going online is the best way not only to survive, but it gains more traction and attraction than ever before because it's accessible through telephone, through online, and through uh, maybe by media or multimedia devices such as uh, the ones I'm showing here. Uh, and uh, well, that's about it, really. Uh, okay, thank you. So, I understand this is very controversial, so now it's time for controversy. You want to talk money? Or? So, I mean, we've got 200,000 euros and 160,000 go to the offers, and the rest is for the website communication and buying uh, recorders if we need some. We work with the best equipment there is, like Nagra, Sennheiser, and uh, shops. And we, everybody who comes to Arte Radio, want, even for a first piece, we give him like $6,000 worth of equipment. We train him to use this equipment, and then they go on their own. They record on their own, they edit on their own, and then I step in, and this is a bad moment. And then I listen to a rough edit, and I say, this is excellent. My God, this is so wonderful. Now you cut this, 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 and this goes there, this goes. And then there is a professional sound um, director uh, who comes in, one from Arte Radio, and he just edits and mixes the whole thing all together with the offer being present. Because the offer always wants his piece to be like 30 minutes, and I always want it to be three minutes. So at the end, it's like 15 or 12, and we argue for three days and whatever. And then we count the days that they work. And of course, so they say, I work for 25 days. And I say, no, I think you work two days. So we argue a lot more, and then they get paid at the end. OK, so. Yeah, well, ah. Could you describe the stereo microphone you used? I didn't understand how you, it sounded like they were separate, two separate microphones with the mono on the mono, the interview we always do in quiet rooms, quiet places. If there's no quiet room, we do that in a car, for example. But to get the less environment as possible, to have a very pure, naked voice. The stereo, it's shops. I mean, at this time, it was Audio Technica. Uh, I, I'm very not into technique, but I, I know a bit. And 
Yeah, it's a stereo. Um, you want technical precisions? Yeah, it is two separate microphones. Anyway, it's on, we use we work a lot with, uh, but I don't know the English name, uh, a perche, you know, like they use for cinema. What a pole, a pole. We work a lot with a pole. Well, it's difficult. I mean, for beginners, stereo is difficult. Okay, but we want them to work with the best equipment. Now, what's happening is the thing that changed the whole paradigm for creative radio in France. It's called the Zoom, the Zoom H4. I don't know, you have it here. Because it's the cheapest thing, everybody's using that. We think, because we are very fundamentalist and arrogant, it's not good enough for us, of course. So we use Nagra, that's 3,000, 4,000 euro. But again, it's public money, why not spend it, you know, <laughs> on good stuff. So we, we got four Nagras and we trained them with the Nagras. But some stuff are actually done with Zoom. We're not, I mean, Zoom is okay, it's all right. If you, you can do a documentary with Zoom. But we are very, we're kind of, uh, yeah, mm. we're a bit fundamentalist about that. But we spend so much time editing, you know, you better have a good sound. <laughs> so. Hi, thank you. Uh, you talk about your uh, training people from, from scratch, really. Yeah. And uh, so how is that training? And how do you take people from, maybe they're a little bit of storytellers, but how do you take them to being able to create a 12-minute a piece? Well, they, they, we talk a lot beforehand. I always say there's no subject, you know, and if, if it can be on the cover of time, it doesn't work. So alcoholism, I say no. Immigration, I say no. There's nothing in that. So they have to build a story, and if they can't, I'm building it for them, right? So we talk a lot beforehand. What are you going to record? Where will you be? What is this person like? What is the room like? So we tend to build a story. So the story is not alcoholism. The story is my boyfriend is an alcoholic. On Thursday, he's going to see a doctor to speak about his addiction. And I have the authorization to record. So I'll be in the room. There'll be two mono microphones. We do that a lot, like being in a room with a social security worker or being in a room with a psychiatrist and a person uh, with a schizophrenia, for example. We did a lot of series like that. And with just two, two mono uh, microphones. And then it's kind of uh, Frederick Wiseman, if you know this uh, filmmaker, a kind of stuff. You spend quite a long time in an institution and you record the dialogues. So we build the stories beforehand. So more or less, the, the person knows what she has to do, okay? And then she goes, I see she, because they're mostly women. It's really weird, but they're mostly women who want to be in radio. I have a lot of theories about that, and I'd rather not say them aloud at this point. Uh, but they, they do. So, yeah, and that she can do by herself. If it's simple, not Stereo is very delicate. So when we say stereo, it's just like soundscapes, very easy stuff. Otherwise, sometimes a sound director might come with her. But then she does that. Then she comes back with all the rushes. I don't want to listen to rushes. First, I've got no time. Second, it's horrible. I don't want to go through that, you know? And so we, we teach her to edit. We use Samplitude, which is a German thing. We just love this software. I don't know why. It's better than Pro Tools for what we do. It's, much, it's kind of like Pro Tools, but better for radio, I think, for the kind of stuff we do. And then, so it's about one hour of teaching, and then she edits, because I think storytelling is in the editing. 
So when I listen to the first draft, I can say if this person is gifted or not. If she's not gifted, it's kind of, okay, thank you, and uh, here is your money, and bye-bye, and let's try, you know, a painting or whatever. And <laughs> if, but sometimes you have the most wonderful surprises. I mean, we are, uh, we are going to Pre Europa this year, and it's a first piece by a beginner. It's 20 minutes about a rape. It's a story of a rape. It's absolutely wonderful. It just drowns you in tears. It's absolutely beautiful. And it's her first piece. She's just out of, uh, well, she, she did a documentary school, but still, you know. So, yeah, you, uh, I think radio should be open to, to everyone, really. But the truth is that the people who are now working and making a living out of it is people who have been working with us for years, and they're doing this and other stuff for other radios and you know, with them you have nothing to say, they're just authors. But still, I like things to be written beforehand, which kind of is bizarre in a way, but I don't, I don't believe in, let's go and we will see. I think everything should be a story. And you can, of course, reality might resist, this is what reality does. You know, reality doesn't uh, comply with what you want, but it's good to have some ideas before and especially ideas for situations. What we do is really based on situations, like, you know, when you're in, in the office of the psychiatrist, or I met this brilliant guy who does uh, uh, features on television, and he tells me the secret, so I can give it to you. He says the secret is that when you interview someone, this person has nothing to do than answering your questions, so it sounds rotten. You have to interview someone when she's doing something that is more important than the interview. And that's a key thing. When someone is getting married, for example, you can put a camera in front of her face. She doesn't care about the camera. She's just getting married. Okay, so she's like emotionally involved in something else. When someone is at work or doing things, or the example, when you are going to a psychiatrist to say that you are addicted, the important thing is the appointment with the doctor. It's not the microphone that tapes it. So you have to catch people in a situation which is more important than being recorded. So this is kind of things we're looking for. Yes. Yeah. Recording in the field. You talked about uh, avoiding the cheesy radio drama sound by recording in the field, and do you have other ways that you try to avoid that? Uh, well, we do. Um, um, drama is very difficult. And I, uh, but now I'm learning different stuff. Uh, I, I had the privilege to be invited in Sydney a couple of weeks ago, and I met the guys from The Tooth, The Truth. I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Ed Erbsman and Jonathan, and they, uh, they do brilliant stuff that doesn't sound like traditional radio drama, because it's improvised a lot, and, and it sounds, you know, like real. And we try to go for this feeling. We don't always succeed, but um, first there's a text, you got to have a great text, and these are hard to come by. And secondly, you have to have time with the actors so that they don't read. And in uh, France Culture, for example, they do five hours of drama every week. So of course, the actors just come in and they read a piece of paper, and they're out, and they, takes a check. We try to keep them for at least two days so that 
they repeat the text over and over, and at one point, they just put the text down and start playing. Even if they're not faithful to the text, we'd rather have a good acting than being faithful. Also, we only work with authors who agree with being edited, because we cut about one third every time. If you want it to be funny, you have to cut one third of it. And if the author is like, no, 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 you can't touch my text, I tell them to write a book and not do radio. You know what I mean? Because, <laughs> I mean, the, my only boss is the listener. It's not the, I don't care about authors. I mean, it's horrible to say, I care about the product, not the product, the piece is more important than what the author feels. The author is not the best person sometimes, you know? The listener is always right. The author has to obey, you know? I mean, if he wants an introduction that's five minutes long, you're like, no way, okay? So we work with people who agree with that. Also, we try to work on location and to overdub it in studio and to play with score so you have two voices, sometimes the same sentence is repeated, you can hear it once on location, and that you, you've got this inner voice feeling. Um, and I don't know, it's really, I think the problem with radio drama is really a problem of voice, because some radio dramas have very cool sounds, but all voices sound the same, the acting sound the same, and it's not a microphone problem, but it's a studio problem. They all See what I mean? It starts and suddenly, yeah, okay, it's a radio drama and it's, it's just dead. You know what I mean? So, but it's, but it's really difficult. I don't say we, we, you know, our features are, I'm really proud of our features, our dramas. I mean, we win, but we win because the, the bar is low. I mean, really. It's easy to win when you apply, when we, you put a little bit of time on it, you know, because the competition is not that big. Truly, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds uh, pretentious, but it's true. It's, everything sounds the same. And they have all narrators. I mean, it's 50 minutes pieces that go on and on and on. You just want to kill yourself, really. I mean, there's no way. Nobody's going to listen to that. Nobody, except in festival, you know. So we try to make it speed and, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I found it really interesting that you mentioned how um, you pay artists for the amount of time that they put mm -hmm. into the pieces. Uh, Lord knows if I could do that for my work, uh, I would never leave my headphones. But um, I'm, I'm curious, what effect does that have on the creative process? And how do you, how do you decide when a piece is, is over? Mm. Or, or is that more about like helping, helping someone who's just learning the technology, um, you know, guiding them through the process, and then you sort of figure, oh, they've made it. Yeah it's, yeah, it's an interesting question. In fact, we spend a lot of time on what we call the mix. It's not the mix, really. It's after the first rough cut, or maybe a second or third cut by the author himself. We move to the big studio with the big loudspeakers and with a, a sound director. The sound director has a nothing of the project. And uh, the tricky thing we do is that he listens to it once and he tells the author exactly the same things I told him a week ago. So the author understands what I really believe in. Creation is not a free thing that, you know, I think that, you think that, we both can agree, no, 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 no. Creation is something that is, as the more you go inside uh, editing, the less options you have. 
right? But still, we spend maybe too much time. I mean, there's no way we do things under one day. It's always at least one day for four minutes, five minutes. So then sometimes we, if it's really good, if he, the sound is good and the editing, the pre-editing is good, it's also one day. But for pieces like 30 minutes, 40 minutes that are tricky, yeah, it's kind of, a, it's never ending. Two minutes, three minutes. Sometimes that happens only twice, but I can admit it. Things are online, and we listen to them and we say, oh, no way. And we take them and we redo it and we put it online again without telling anybody. Yeah, and if I could, if I had my way, there are so many things I would change. Because I always cave in at the end, and I'm a, I'm a bastard, you know, I'm really, I'm really, I'm a fundamentalist, but. At one point, you're so tired of arguing, you say, okay, let's keep your... And then you're wrong. You should never stop arguing. <laughs> but, uh, but it's a way for everybody to learn. I mean, I'm joking with authors. The authors, of course, brought us as much as we bring them. I mean, we would be nowhere without the authors. There are 300 people and, and 20, 30 of them are now professional and um, uh, this is my biggest pride and they win prizes and they go abroad and so, of course. Hi, um, I had a question about uh, how it gets distributed. I know, I've, I know that website you have you know, the buttons where you can, you can play individual pieces and you had mentioned about like Sweden buys stuff and community buys stuff. Do you see yourself as just sort of the storehouse for it, where people, where you just kind of make stuff and people kind of draw it, draw it out how they want, or do you have like a strategic plan for how to deliver? Like you talked about podcasting. Yeah. Do you curate podcasts? Like here's an hour of art to radio, or like what's what's your mission for like packaging this stuff and sending it out into the world? Well, my mission is to produce radio creations, and the distribution. I wish it was not my concern. We had to invent it. We were the first to introduce podcast in France in 2005, but we started in 2002. Podcast didn't even exist in 2002, and it still, it was a podcast. It was downloadable, it was free, whatever. Podcast was just the RSS feed, but that did not exist when we started. But we were the first to introduce it in France. And yeah, it's not my problem. People buy smartphones, I want it to be on a smartphone. People buy Androids, I want it to be on Androids. This is what I do, so I ask the IT people at Arte, please, can I have an Android version of the app? And that's about it. But we, it's not a warehouse, it's a magazine, it's a review. It's kind of a rolling stone of a New Yorker. You subscribe to it because you like it, not because of what's on the cover. Some people will buy a magazine because of the cover, and that's the people who will come to us. We have a lot of things about sex, okay? And so people will listen mainly to the things about sex, and I'm okay with that, because sex and radio work perfectly together. <laughs> but um, as far as I'm concerned, I'm here to put out a nice issue every week. You know, the best I can. And then it's a storage. Then it's a warehouse, as you said. But distribution, um, there is a jingle in every sound. At the end, there is the arteradio.com. Because we are broadcasted through community radio, I want the listeners to know where it comes from. And normally, you can't cut that. You can't edit anything. But as for me, it's, you know, I only want uh, the offer and Arte to get credit. Or apart from that, it's just free. Does that answer your question? Or? I was just going to ask you, where do you get um, the 
Yeah. It's really, uh, they, I, I get a lot of mails and I try to answer every one of them. Before I listened to CDs and I, it was horrible and I, st and I stopped listening to CDs because I've listened to, to hundreds of CDs in 10 years for absolutely no reason. So now I stopped doing this, I stopped listening to downloads, I got no time really. And I'm going to stop producing new people if it carries on because it's just no way I can there are too many wanting them. But I just, so sometimes I'm very brutal and fast. I say, this is not a project. Read what, because on the website, I explain what we expect. So people who did not make the effort to read it, I just say, you know, get out. Uh, and I'm just waiting for stories. I'm waiting for someone who says, not only the subject, the way he's going to do it. What I want is, uh, what am I going to hear, okay? But I don't need sound. We always start from scratch. We never use anything that has been done before, or very rarely. We have some postcards, like from abroad, so if I get something fantastic from the US, I will, of course, buy it, but normally we don't do that. We, so it's a project. I have to be convinced by a, a good idea. And sometimes good ideas are really simple, really easy, you know, they're just like that. Um, my grandmother is making radio, or I don't know, uh, I got a friend who recorded a trial for rape, and then you, you know you have a recording of a trial which is illegal in France, so you say, okay, I'm going to go for that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.